Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss, a rare behind insight into the executives leading some of the ASX's most successful small cap companies. And from how they run the company on a day-to-day basis, their work-life balance, coffee of choice, life away from business-making decisions, and where to for the company. Damon Dorma is the Managing Director of Gold Mile Resources, ASX code G88, that's G88. Damon, appreciate you coming in. No, absolute pleasure, Tim. Uh, how long have you been in the role with Golden Mile? I have been with Golden Mile since the start of March. Started off as the CEO and then got promoted to the MD's role in June. What's the difference between a CEO and an MD? I'm always intrigued the, by this. The real simple version is a CEO is not on the board, whereas the MD is obviously on the board. Okay. And how have you adapted to, to Golden Mile in that time, in that role? Oh, look, it's been great. It's been Better than what I actually expected um, from where we started off. Um, uh, look, you know, this year in particular has been quite transformative to the company in where we're sitting now. So it's been a really fun journey and you know, lots more fun to be had along the way going forward. Have you had to reinvent yourself? Someone who's been around the industry for a long time, near on approaching sort of like 30 years in various roles in the industry, even at our tender age, I think we're of a similar vintage. Do you sort of have to reinvent the way you go about things? I wouldn't say reinvent, but you're always looking to improve and develop skill sets. So obviously with my background, I've had an awful lot of project operational innovation and, you know, turnaround experience through the whole gamut of what I've done over the years. But certainly, you know, there are some things where I've had to keep honing my skills and everything else as a part of certainly coming into this role, but that's part of the challenge. That's part of the fun. If you're not learning, you're not, and you're not growing, then you sort of got to sit there and go, why do you do what? To be honest, <laughs> what was the attraction to come on board? Look, the attraction with Golden Mile was there. This was something different. There was, it was misunderstood, and you you learn a lot about me in particular. I love what's different and what's misunderstood because, you know, I'll hark back to where my career's been in a little bit. I've been tasked with uh, walking into assets, you know, early on operationally and looking how to change the paradigm, improve them big uplifts in production and so on and so forth. And that grew into um, certainly times in the innovation space as well as doing major project turnaround. So there's a couple of projects in Africa that, you know, well over the mar- the billion dollar market valuation. And um, certainly those projects wouldn't have got across the line without a lot of the re-engineering, a lot of the different thinking brought to the table. And Golden Mile is, to me, in that same kettle of fish. It's just a bit different. So um, Golden Mile has a key asset, which is Quicksilver. You know, it's a 26 million ton, you know, uh, 0.64% nickel grade. And I'll talk a lot more about grade and tons later. I think it's because there's a big paradigm change happening there. And it's been misunderstood. It was thought to be this typical laterite. And when you look at that and you think about HPAL processing and things like that, which is an extremely capitally intensive processing, it got misunderstood. Um, the company did struggle there for a while with how it understood the asset. When you say misunderstood, are you misunderstood by investors, by the market, by the industry in general? What do you mean by I, that? I would actually classify everyone. There was a view of this thing, right? That it was this, you know, homogeneous style lateritic deposit. And it's not that. It's actually something very different. Um, we're seeing, and to highlight a couple of things, we're seeing great uplift in the beneficiation work, the beneficiation work. I always get tongue tied there a little bit. In terms of what we're getting, you know, we saw up to a, you know, up to a 220% upgrade um, from simple scrubbing and screening. 
So when we start looking at great profiles and everything, that, that's you know really important when yeah we want to look to put the business case together for this thing. And not only that, um, we're also seeing now a lot more structural controls and everything else, and a lot more um, high grade and potential high grade within this deposit. And that changes the entire approach to how you mine this thing and how you want to develop the business case and how you look at executing this thing further on down the track. And that's what I mean by misunderstood. There's actually a great business opportunity in there that I think has been overlooked and it's taken a lot of great work, really dealing in the fundamentals to get to where we are now. So you're talking about Quicksilver, of course, and yep. that's the, the down in Lake Grayson. But when you have a look at Golden Mile Resources and, and where you are, you're everywhere, aren't you? The Eastern Goldfields, Murchison, uh, as you mentioned, Southwest, the Pilbara. There's a lot going on. Have you itemised or prioritised what needs work and love since moving into the role? Yes, we have. Is a short answer. Um, and I'll to break that down. You know, Quicksilver is our you know flagship project, and that's where we do spend most of our time and most of our activity. Yep. Our other critical project that we see along the way is Yunmiri, where we just completed a RC campaign, a soil sampling campaign up there. And then obviously we've got the likes of Yarrambi. We've got, we just had two of the three tenements awarded at Marble Bar, uh, which is pretty exciting. And then we've got a couple of JVs out there, one with Kin Mining and one with Gateway along the way. So what we, part of that prioritization is how we look at where we spend our money and where we see our best bang for buck. Uh, but certainly we look at how we bring the portfolio along with all that as well, because at the end of the day, you've only got so much money and you've got to look to leverage that money as best you can. Did you clean sheet everything when you walked in? Did you come in and get when the handover came and you go into the role, whether it be the chief executive and or the managing director now, did you come in with a, with a blank canvas or were you relying on information for those already inside the company to work out where the strength was and what you needed to focus on? I think there was a bit of both. Um, what was really needed in my view for Golden Mile was aligning all the threads because there'd been some great work done and there was you know, some you know you know differences of opinions everything else and what we've got to is by aligning the work and one thing you'll always hear me talk about is dealing in fundamentals and dealing in data it's not done often enough in this industry it's a to me it's one of my big bugbears in this industry to be honest um, but we always let data talk and we always go and get high quality data and we do the work we don't make assumptions. And by distilling all that down, that we've really been able to progress this project, that we had a bit of luck along the way. And what I mean by that is that, you know, back in June, we had done, and I'll, I'll take it back a bit. So earlier this, when I joined the company, we already had, we just commenced the uh, metallurgical test work drilling in March, which completed in early April. And we got the results back in June, which we released to the market. Now, there was an extremely interesting result. It was actually a spectacular nickel hit. It was huge uh, from where we saw. But apart, not just was it a really big nickel hit in a very long uh, mineralized zone, it was laden with vermiculite, which is interesting. And this comes back to the entire view of the Albany because that set us down a different path because yeah, we sat there and went, well, why is this like this? And what we're finding is that, and we've had to change our opinion of this Albany, uh, which we don't have a problem doing, it's actually a good thing. If the data tells you it's something different, move with the data. And what we're seeing is that we've had this super gene enrichment over the weathered and oxide zone of the ore body. Now, to really distill that down is what I'm really saying there is we've got what we believe is the structural controls, not just within 
the overall nickel mass that we've got, but we've got these structural high grade nickel zones that sit within the ore body, which most of them haven't even been touched yet uh, from what we can tell. And the reason they haven't been touched is because where we see the orientation, and this is not just based on drill data, it's based on detailed geophysics and you know, a lot of other data sets we have that come together, is that the way this ore body was drilled, which was right for the view at the time back in 2018, when the resource was put to the market, is very poorly aligned to the identification of these structures. Um, and that's really crucial to us because identify, identifying these, being able to demonstrate their size and scale, um, I say change of the mine plan completely, and I'll bring it back to that then, you know, when I talk about the resource grade, we see the potential for our mineable grade to be A, a lot higher, and B, with all the beneficiation work, to then really kick that right up. We're seeing, just as an example, we pulled off mica samples as a part of our, our metallurgical test work that, you know, we were seeing, you know, two, three percent nickel on the mica. And that lends itself to secondary processing, which means more value uplift and everything else that goes along, which is a pretty exciting place to be considering where we were, you know, at the start of this year. Damon Dormer is our guest, Managing Director of Golden Mile Resources, ASS code G88 G88. So there's a fairly comprehensive, in-depth, below-the-ground view of what's taking place with Golden Mile. I want to get to know a bit more about you before we go back to the short, the mid and the long term of, of the business and the company and, and Quicksilver with a focus on there. But start of the day, you wake up and you have to go to work and you have done everything you need to do to prepare your day. What's the first thing you do work-wise? The first thing I do work-wise, I do it I'm early morning, which is I'll go in, check what news has come through overnight. I will check the stock market. It's just a habit that I do. always ask our guests, uh, so you're a, you're, a, you're a share price watcher? Not just a share price watcher, I'm an investor as well. Um, I thoroughly enjoy investing. Um, I, enjoy, I really enjoy investing in where Golden Mile's positioned in the market. Um, I like the pure exploration plays and I like companies that are into pre-development and going through study phases, obviously, because I've got a big background in that area. Um, yeah, I know the nuances probably better than the average joke, um, just through the time I've spent in that space. Sure. And I, and I love investing in that area as well. So that's always my first part of the day is check my communications, check the share market. Um, generally do that with a Coffee of choice. Coffee of choice is a long black. Is that uh, homemade or do you purchase? Homemade many years ago. I've always had a coffee machine at home for the last 20 years. And you upgraded over the journey? Very much so. So um, I've gone through <laughs> all, um, you know, we've ended, where we've ended up is probably important. We've ended up, we actually put an inbuilt one that was plumbed and everything for the business. Is that right? I've gone through. Okay. And that machine has about 11,000 coffees registered to it at the moment. <laughs> okay. So coffee, emails. Taking a look at the the market and the like, and then you go right into hardcore. Do you are you a prioritizer? Do you have a sheet of a thousand things and you have the priorities of one to a thousand? No, I operate a bit differently to that. I believe in having the critical list and the not critical list. Now, it's a simply it's a very fast version of management to me. Whereas either something's critical or it's not. The trick's always to watch things when they do start to become moving close to that critical point or near critical position. But what that allows you to do is really maintain focus on what that top five items are that you have to deal with rather than trying to dissolve down through a list of thousands of, you know, hundreds or thousands of items 
um, because that can chew up a lot of time, mm. which not necessarily adds a lot of value. So you don't sweat the small stuff. No. Do you get to the small stuff? You always eventually get to the small stuff. Um, because the small stuff. Have you got some small stuff that's been small stuff for a long time on the list? Look, there's, look, small stuff will generally sit on the list for probably a month or two. Oh, that's, okay. um, that's good. And then as we go forward, because we do need to move, you know, one of the key things we do and while is we always want to move fast, right? We've had, you know, when we look at what this year's been, we've got through a huge amount of work, mm -hmm. but we always want to be moving fast. But what you really just for when you get to the small stuff, you also sit there and go, is it actually even necessary? You know, now, or does it need to be six months down the track or 12 months? So are we looking at it just because it's someone's put it on a list or mm -hmm. do we sit there and just go, is it actually even work that needs doing? Sure. And that's part of the process as well. So, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to you personally in a moment, getting to know yourself. Damon Dorman, Managing Director of Gold Mile Resources is our guest in this podcast, this uh, edition. Um, I'm intrigued by how much you talk about Quicksilver and you've got the other projects and you have touched on them. How much love do they get? If you were scaling up a hundred percent of a day inside the business and when do you move on those? When do they get the love that Quicksilver, or is Quicksilver just so important to Golden Mile right now? Where Quicksilver sits, it is so important. So Quicksilver sits at sort of that 80, 85% mark. Yep. Um, where we are on you and Mary, which is what we want to keep bringing along critically is, you know, that'll be 10% and probably from Explain where that is and what that is. Uh, so you and Mary is a, you know, very much for us, a gold play. It sits actually, it's about 11 Ks away from you and me, which is a 3.2 million ounce resource, obviously with rocks resources. Um, so this thing's had very little drill holes done or even soil sampling work. It's on a parallel structure to, uh, you and me. And for us, it's, you know, an extremely exciting tenement there with a lot of, you know, particularly gold potential that we see. So as I say, we've just completed a, um, RC drilling campaign up there. It was only a small campaign and then a fairly extensive soil sampling campaign to keep proving up more and more targets mm -hmm. in that space. And we do want to keep things moving along there. We see a lot of value there, but then what we also do is we also look at how we can, I'll turn, use the term consolidate the rest of the portfolio. We have in the, over the course of the last, uh, three, six months consolidated, certainly tenement packages, um, in, uh, the Murchison lithium, we dropped uh, a few tenements there. We still held a key tenement there and we're deliberately always consolidated, looking how we consolidate, how we expand and how we look at different deals to still leverage what we've got. And so, yeah, we're always, you know, we're always reviewing assets as well in the background and we're also looking for, you know, potential opportunities where we see the right position to JV or do something else on things we consider non-core. So for our listeners and whether they be current shareholders, you know, investors or future investors or what they may be, um, how much work goes on down at Lake Grace at the moment down at Quicksilver? What, what is happening there as we speak? Look, there's straight up there where wind the window of not much happening there, to be honest, we just completed a, at, um, Quicksilver as, uh, as well. We just completed an RC campaign there before we moved to Yun Mary. Yep. Um, in conjunction to that work. So we did that work on site. Um, we're now obviously off site. We've, we've been doing an awful lot of other work with Quicksilver as well. It's not just about the drilling yep. and more data and results. It's about, you know, the Met test work campaign, which has been going since April and still will go through till the end of this year. 
And we've also had uh, petrology work done, detailed geophysics work done. Um, we're looking at getting some hyperspectral work done to assist us and keep all these data sets, uh, bring all the data. And then our next steps for when we look at on-site, and I'll bring it right back to what we're saying about these high-grade structural positions is we need to go and look at putting a couple of holes back in the ground just to confirm the positioning of these structures because in the big picture what we want to do with Quicksilver is our next big step for the project is obviously in our scoping study which that orientation drilling will be the start is the infill drilling program to get the resource category up to you know about 80% indicated for what we what we term the business case but if we're not drilling to identify these high-grade structures, we could miss an awful lot of it in the infill drilling. So we could actually burn a lot of money if we don't go and do this. So it's just a simple two-step process. Go and align, orientate to get the right positioning and then adjust the entire infill program to you know the structure, what we perceive as the structural orientation of the ore body. Is this your way it should be done? Or is this the way that the company has always operated its preparation for Quicksilver? Or have you tried to straighten this up? And is this the normal practice? Because from a layman, and that's what I am, a very simple bloke, if someone says to me, you got to go build a little mini brick wall, I just go and get the, I get the cement, I get the wall, and I just and I build the bricks. But I hear people put out lines and they level it and they prepare it and stuff. I can't do that. I'm going to get moving. I'm, I'm, I'm a now type of guy. Yeah. Is this something that you brought to the table with Golden Mile or was this always in place, this sort of process? I would say elements of it were always in place. I'll bring it right back to about really tying in that alignment and direction mm. on what we need to do. And it's really simple. And, I'm, and I you know, fully appreciate your position on you know, wanting to move fast and we do through a lot of the work, but the other side of that is- It doesn't make the wall very good. That's, that's no. my point. No, it's but but the wall is crooked. But 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 certainly we bring it back down to you know I'm I'm very much driven by a a um value proposition mindset or a yeah. Well, you're data driven, aren't you? You got to you you want to There's no point drilling a hole if the data's not right. If you know if we've got to go and spend an awful lot of money in field drilling, we want to get the maximum value, and we only want to do it once. We don't want to gotcha. Keep going back and going. Oh, we didn't quite get this right or that right. We do the work up front to get stuff right. Are your shareholders investors patient with this type of stuff or are they asking for answers and movement? Oh, look, shareholders are always wanting more information out. Um, and look, I, I do I do have to comment on the shareholders because even when we released our last RC results on Quicksilver, we actually thought we had a really good announcement. And I will say, um, yeah, we'll, we're actually very buoyant about the results we got because of what it was telling us around these high-grade structures and about the, what was happening underneath and everything else. Look, the market didn't respond great to that. Doesn't mean they weren't good results. And look at, you know, and I can appreciate that, you know, some of our shareholders can find this stuff sometimes a bit frustrating and everything else. And look, we share that because one of the simple things that I've always been very specific about this as well is that I have deliberately and wanted my um, remuneration incentive structure very much geared to um, an option setup. And the reason for that is that I want to make money and I want to make a lot of money on so why we do these jobs and we have a love of this business. However, I also want to do it when my shareholders are making money as well. And that's really important to me. Yeah. So you're basically putting your proverbials on the line um, to say, oh, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not just sitting here taking a wage. I'm actually, I, I appreciate what you're going through. Abs absolutely. And it's, uh, look, and I, yeah. You know, my intention is to go and make a lot of money. I love 
changing things and looking for where the value lies. And, um, I love to be in that boat and I, you know, I have a, an appetite for risk. And I think that's really important. A lot of people and a lot of things look always being risk averse where in this business, and it comes from working in innovation and doing turnarounds, you've got to be able to have an acceptance of risk. The whole exploration business is built on risk appetite mm. at the end of the day. Mm. So looking for where opportunities lie and looking how we can extract value is huge for me. And I also look at it beyond Quicksilver because we look at how we get the recipe right for Quicksilver, which was this misunderstood asset. We've actually got a great set of knowledge that basically no one else in the marketplace would have. It's obviously before your time, uh, since joining Golden Wild, um, where did Quicksilver come from? All I know is Quicksilver is a surf brand. Where does, yeah. where does Quicksilver the name come from? Do we have the only I, I, I do actually need to go back and do a little bit more checking on where the original name for the deposit came from. Mm. Um, certainly, yeah, there's been work going on there, you know, on and off, I think since the 1980s, all up with some of the historic drilling. So yeah. it's sometimes a tenuous link, like the bloke loved surfing and he just called it Quicksilver. Uh, we, we interviewed mm, yeah, we, one of our last, most recent podcasts, the bloke loved racing and all his uh, projects were named after famous racehorses and stuff like that. So it's just a, a name. Oh, the, 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 one of the great stories that I love around naming of, you know, the mines projects, everything else, um, comes back to my time with Goldfields down in Cambauda and they used the Battle of Trafalgar across <laughs> the Salt Lake as to the names of which deposits sat on which side with the name of the ships from the Battle right. of Trafalgar. It was a, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you got, you got, you got to appreciate the thought that went into that. Absolutely. Damon Dormer is our guest, Managing Director of Gold Mile Resources. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. All right, just back to you just briefly. Work-life balance, have you got it right? That's a better question for my wife. <laughs> what would she say? Um, certainly better now than what it was. Okay. Um, and so I'll, I'll preface that. I was, you know, running a big project in Botswana, uh, building three copper mines at once. And we cut the, we were sinking five declines. We cut the first two portals on the 8th of February in 2020, and we went into lockdown at the end of March. So, and because we just started this massive project, we had to see, you know, absolutely had to see it through, but I spent an awful lot of time away from home mm. during that thing. My longest stint away from home was 26 weeks straight. So have you got it right now? Yeah. It's better. Yeah. 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 And it's also allowed my wife to go back to work full time and everything else as well as a part of that. She's a, uh, you know, not that she wasn't working, it was just unpaid work. If I hand you a fine line of pen, an art line pen, and you were to write up your work motto, when you what you thrive on, what would you write on the big blank wall in the studio we're sitting in right now? I, I don't want to steal another person's slogan, but it's just really simply, think different and let data talk. It's, it's the key to the business. What do you do away from this? What's, what, what interest do you have? Do you have interest in... Books, in travel, in art, in wine, in sport. Well, I'd love to know a bit more about you. So I, I do have a plethora of interests. Yep. Um, when it comes to sport, my uh, passion is rugby. Um, I was, I'm actually half Kiwi, half Australian and mm -hmm. got born and bred on rugby union. And that was what I got. That's just where my Just mention the Kiwi from. side at the moment. It's probably safe a bit. Oh, that's where my money is. <laughs> um, the... Yeah, particularly when they're in the final of the World Cup. Maybe. Yes, so, I know, Damien. Don't have to tell us, mate. We, we understand that. Wallabies. We go wallabies, schmallabies. No one cares. It's um, at the moment. 
Um, I've had a, certainly a passion over the years of restoring old cars. I've got an old 1960 MGA Roadster, which I tinker with nice. all the time. Um, so that's always been. Can you drive it on the road? Yeah, it's registered. It's got, okay. it's even got Kalgoorlie number plates cause that's where I got it. Nice. Uh, registered when I first bought it. And that, that's always been a great hobby. I enjoy, you know, although I'm, you know, very much a hack playing golf. Um, it's a, it's a great place to catch up with people and chew the fat and just, you know, um, get away for two hours of just, you know. Two hours? What do you, what is it? Well, that's, you, you get around pretty well, that's, that's nine holes. Oh, <laughs> that's the bar taking care of. That's the 19th, that's the 19th taking care of. <laughs> and then, um, but it, yeah, it's a good place to catch up with people and get a bit of shop talk done as well, just okay. in a much more informal setting. Yep. And then look, family takes up, you know, I shouldn't say takes up. The family is a very big priority because, you know, I have had to over time spend a lot of time mm. away mm. and you know, particularly, you know, my wife's a metallurgist as well. So, you know, want to make sure that, you know, she's not wearing all the burden of what, you know, and she's, and she has had to wear that particularly when I was away a lot. She was, you know, working uh, part-time as well as looking after the family and everything else. So I want to make sure that, you know, that the time is there for both my wife and the kids, because, you know, that's, you know, really important. Do you still enjoy kicker rocks? Do you get out and do you, now that you've, now you're in this role, it's a little, I don't know, it's a little bit different. I get your data driven. Yep. So it's computers and laptops and paper, which you've got a couple of sheets here today and stuff. But do you still, do you, when things are cranking up, do you like to get out and get, get the boots on top of the ground? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's a passion that you never lose, to be honest. It's, mm -hmm. um, there's always something about it. There's always just something brilliant about starting something new and knowing that, you know, you and a team of people have been able to take something from, you know, concept or something where people didn't even believe in or didn't think about to something that can achieve, you know, at times huge financial rewards. And that's the ability to drive that change. And just that there's something about it. You know, I will say there's a little bit of ego in that saying, you know, I've gone and done something different mm -hmm. than, um, or done something that people didn't think could be done or was unexpected. And there's a big kick out of that, um, but always being on site and always looking at how to improve and how to drive things harder and faster and how to make, keep driving those where the value position lies and how to try and keep extracting more and more value that never goes away. And whether it's on site, off site, it's all about how to keep finding that critical tension point and just working it harder and harder. Um, in a moment, I'm going to get you to give the short, the mid and the long term or, or the other way around of, of the business. And you can also pitch to future investors and calm the farm for those who don't have the patience that you've clearly got, which I'm sure you deal with every day. But just tell us a bit, are you winning? Do you feel like you're winning across the whole company and everything you've done since moving into this big seat? Well, quite simply, yes. Um, and it's particularly about just how much we've got through this year. You know, this is our... We've completed three drill programs uh, so far since I've been with the company. Uh, we've conducted an awful lot of analytical work and that. And I, now I know that's not sexy and I know that's not, sometimes people don't recognize the value of that, but all that work is what gives us the position we're in now. It's giving us a, it's given us a really good view of what we think this all body is. And it's really identified a lot of high grade opportunity within this all body. And the next key steps is really just how we go and then leverage that to build the business case and to keep going forward till we can put this thing in construction. 
Uh, have you got plenty of capital and you're happy with, and, and again, are you happy with the share price and does the share price, uh, do you have sort of share price when you talk about uh, keeping an eye, do you have share price anxiety at times, thinking it should be better or worse or what's the situation? Just those sort of basics. No, really simply we're cheap. Um, the, the, the share price doesn't even come close to reflecting, uh, the value that we see and, you know, it's why I'm pretty comfortable about it. There's always going to be a need over time to raise money. That's what, that's the cost of doing work. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather be going and raising money at, you know, at when the intervals are right based on delivering work and moving projects forward and everything else rather than not doing stuff and burning cash. I think it's, you know, we've got to be, then we've got to be moving fast and moving and constantly pushing the envelope to keep going forward. And look, yeah, I'd love the share price to be higher. However, you know, mar yeah, the market can move, market conditions, but if our fundamentals are good, then, you know, the share price will come with what we do. And a part of that is getting out and simplifying, getting people to understand what exactly it is we're doing and how we're going about it. Well, you can do that right now because I want you, I want your short, your mid and your long-term view of the company and where it's going with a, with a focus on Quicksilver clearly. Uh, but the overall company obviously is, is taken into account, but Give those listening right now where you think uh, the long term is looking and that mid term and short term. Uh, floor is yours. Thanks. I'll start with, and I'll bring it back to the campaign and I'll step through how we're going about the work to look forward, particularly for Quicksilver. So I'll bring it back to we get this orientation drilling, which we want to have done uh, by the end of this year to set up the infill program for early next year in Q1. Soon as we get the infill program done, we want to be driving a new mineral resource model. Now that's going to be an absolute paradigm shift for this company because it gives us the formal ability to talk to different numbers. We talk about, you know, potential grade uplift and business case grades and everything we see, but until we've got an MRE to be able to solidify that for everyone, that's going to be a huge step forward for us. And then once we've got that, it's um, move through the remainder of the scoping study. And we see, and I'll bring it back to, we see the orientation drilling as the start of the scoping study. And then it's very, you know, very quickly, you know, the designs, economics, evaluations. I'm sort of so by around, you know, my view is around by, uh, the end of the financial year, we should be very close to wrapping up a scoping study. And then with the intent of moving forward now, what it gives us the opportunity to do. And this is something I don't say lightly is that it gives us the potential to consolidate our project stages going forward. Because we've already, on two fronts, one is we've already done an awful lot of test work and metallurgy work and everything else. The metallurgy works already to a much higher standard than a scoping study. And it, so it gives us the potential to consolidate stages because from all that work, we're already seeing what our um, primary business setup will be uh, with the potential to add a secondary processing system to it. And that gives us, I say, the potential to consolidate. Now, I don't say that lightly because one of the things I generally don't recommend doing is consolidating study stages. However, because of the position of where we are in terms of our data is important. And the other key part of that is you've always got to get your data and your work to the final quality position of an FS. It's only because of so much work's been done uh, particularly this year, but certainly going back into last year, um, to allow us that position. And that can accelerate our timelines um, because we want to look at how we take this thing 
as far forward and bring it into uh, construction and production as soon as we can. And, and that's our key business driver, putting it simply. And then, yeah, uh, the, the other opportunities, I think, you know, they will, we'll keep bringing them along and you know, we'll look at all sorts of deals in the meantime. And for those who are sitting, listening to this podcast, wanting to know more about possibly investing and getting involved in the company, um, pitch, why should they? What's, what, what, what's so exciting about the future? You sound excited. So what's so exciting? We've got over $5 billion at current market prices of metal in ground. And How much? $5 billion. Right, there's a hundred. What you said, five billion. There's 160,000 ton nickel and about 20,000 ton give or take. Five billion. Five billion with a B. Right, that's just the start. The yeah, you know, the market cap at the moment is roughly around seven million dollars. Um, so for five billion dollars worth of metal in ground with a seven million market cap, um, there's a bit of a gap there. Just a bit. <laughs> and our potential to drive a really good. You know, we, you know, this high grade nickel potential, this all body and everything else just starts to set us up really, really well, because remember all this is in the top hundred meters, right? This isn't digging deep or high costs. You know, it's pretty much a free dig mite and it's just, uh, the ability to get a really good business plan together. Um, you know, with the amount of nickel we've got in ground is huge. Well, there it is for those who have been listening to the podcast, it got right to the very end before we got the big number. How much? There's over five billion in ground. Damon Dormer, that's the voice of Damon Dormer, of course, managing director of Gold Mile Resources, G eighty eight, G eighty eight, of course, as we mentioned there, uh, and that is the ASX code. Appreciate you coming in and having a chat to us, getting to know you, getting to know a bit about the business, and I think we are, and as you talked about, a hundred meters and not much further down, we're only scratching the surface in regards to this company. And uh, well, I suppose belatedly from us, uh, welcome aboard. It sounds like you're making great moves with the company, and we appreciate the time you spent with us today. Absolute pleasure, Ted. Damon Dormer joining us. That has been another episode of ASX Market Goss. Thanks for listening. Please take time to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share us, like us, and leave a comment. Damon Dormer, Golden Mile Resources. Thanks again for popping in. All right, thanks very much. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation, or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under the securities laws of such jurisdiction.